Well, hey, today I have a message that I'm calling, you can write this down if you're taking notes. Same dirt, different day. Same dirt, different day. I hope you're ready. I'm about to preach this. Let's pray before we get started. God, we love you so much. Thank you for this time in your presence. We pray right now, we know how distracting and crazy life can be. There's probably 150 things on our to-do list to take care of later. Probably a lot of things are fighting for our attention right now, but right now we ask that you would speak through all of that. Pierce into our hearts in this moment. We know that you have beautiful truths stored for us in your word. That's where we're gonna spend time today. So speak to us, something fresh, something new. Change the way we think, change the way we see ourselves, you, and the people in our lives. We wanna leave these moments gathered together looking more like you. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, uh, today we're gonna be starting in Exodus chapter three. So you can turn there right now. I'm gonna be reading out of the ESV. I've been told that that stands for extra spiritual version. And uh, you know, whatever it takes, I could use all the help I can get. So extra spiritual version it is. Verse one, Exodus chapter three. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, that's different. (laughs) I will turn aside to see this great sight why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground, holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So in this story, uh, we're introduced to a man named Moses, and Moses is a shepherd. And you could say he's just kind of doing his thing. He's on his daily commute in and out of the pasture land. This is just a normal day doing his normal job. But what's interesting about Moses is that he actually wasn't ever supposed to be a shepherd. He wasn't born to be a shepherd. He was actually raised, if you could believe it, to be a royal. He was raised to be a prince in none other than the mighty nation of Egypt. He was revered. He was respected. He was educated. This guy was a big shot. He was important back in Egypt. But now for 40 years, can somebody say that's a long time? You're dang right. For 40 years, he's been living in exile, in the wilderness, in the middle of the middle of nowhere, all because of one simple mistake. 40 years. And on this particular day, like I said, he's just kind of doing his thing, walking the sheep back to camp. And I kind of picture it in my mind, like, you know, he's following the sheep, they're walking. It's just the same old 
trail. He's probably walked it a million times. Same trees, same ferns, <laughs> same sights and sounds and smells. I'm sure there were some pretty distinct smells following a sheep herd, just throwing it out there. I'm not a farmer, but uh, smells terrible. Same old sunset he's seen more times than he can count. For 40 years, same old, same old. For 40 years, Moses, it was just same dirt, different day. Same dirt, different day. And maybe I'm describing this and you're like, huh, that kind of sounds like my life a little bit. <laughs> I think we all feel like that from time to time. Like our life is just same dirt, different day. It's another day sitting next to my coworker who can't shut up about why he should have been the one that got promoted when instead she was the one who got promoted. Another day walking home and there's this same tension in my house because if I say this, then this person's going to go off and and the same family dynamics where it's just like, I, don't, I can't go to dinner with that person. I can't talk to that person. And I got to walk on eggshells. And, and sometimes life just feels like it's the same thing, the same struggle, the same stress, the same dirt, just a different day. And if you can relate to Moses right now, you need to know that you are in a good place. Because what God did in Moses' story happened in the middle of something incredibly ordinary, in the middle of just a normal day doing his normal life. When Moses found himself saying, same dirt, different day, God showed up and changed everything. How did God do that? Well, the story that we just read. Out of this landscape that Moses knew, like the back of his hand springs up this bush, you know, and it's on fire. And uh, God apparently understands what it takes to get a man's attention because he's like, it's fire. It's unexpected. Let me go look. <laughs> like, I'm in this wilderness place. Naturally, I'm going to go towards the fire. Not a good move. And what Moses can see, and we see it in the text, is that this isn't an ordinary fire. The fire is burning, but it's not consuming the bush. I don't know what that looked like. I've never seen that before. That's not how it normally works. And this conversation that ensues between Moses and God, <laughs> casual, is the most pivotal moment in Moses' life in the middle of this normal day doing his normal job. This crazy thing happens that not only changed Moses' life, but actually changed your life and my life as well, if you can believe it. But I have one question when I read this story, because it seems like God kind of like takes a left turn in the middle there that doesn't really make sense when you read it the first time. The question that I have when I read this is, what's the deal with the dirt? What's the deal with the dirt? Because we see in verse four, it says, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. Okay. <laughs> For the place which you are standing is holy ground. Say that with me. Say holy ground. Well, We'll work on it. I'm sure you got it. Fine. So what's the deal with the dirt? Because for Moses, we just got done explaining that there was nothing holy about this ground. There was nothing special about this place. He's been here a million times. If anything, that dirt was forgotten. It was left out. It was unimportant. It was just the same dirt that he's seen a million times. 
It was, it was anything but holy ground. Holy ground, holy means unique, set apart, special. So what's the deal with the dirt? That's exactly the question that we should be asking here. Because what God is trying to show us is that there was nothing special about the ground. There was nothing special about the place. That ground on that day became holy, not because of anything to do with the place, but all because of who was in the place. And who here knows that when the Holy Spirit of God decides to show up, it changes everything. Something that once was ordinary becomes something absolutely miraculous and extraordinary. It happened in Moses' life. It'll happen in your life too. He, turn, he turns ordinary dirt into his extraordinary purpose. That's what God does. And he's been doing that from the beginning. You don't believe me? I'll show you. Genesis 2-7. Can't get much more beginning than Genesis. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. I want to encourage you today. Make sure if you're taking notes, get your, get your pen out. Get ready. Get in your writing position because this one's going to change your life. Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. Three words. This is going to encourage you. God told me to tell you this. Okay? Ready? You are dirt. Uh-huh. You're like, where's Pastor Levi? It's <laughs> a good question. You are dirt. You're like, Colton, that's not encouraging at all. <laughs> what are you talking about? Guys, it's not supposed to be. God made us out of dirt for a reason that I'm going to call an intentional insult. You should write that down, intentional insult. Now, why would God do that? Why would God make us out of something that's so trivial, something so ordinary, as if to insult us by the very means that he built us from? You see, because you know just as well as I do that if we're being honest, we're kind of the worst sometimes. <laughs> People, we kind of are terrible, and we make bad decisions that hurt ourselves and hurt others. And the reason why we do that is because of this thing called pride, this thing that's unfortunately deep down in our heart, and it causes us to make decisions based on what we want, not based on what God wants. It causes us to value what we think is right over what would actually bless those around us. And that's a huge problem, guys, because newsflash, if you haven't heard this before, you have a purpose on your life and your purpose isn't about you at all. Your life involves you, but it's not about you. In the scripture, it tells us that our purpose as human beings is to love God and to love people. You know who didn't get brought up in that purpose? You, <laughs> me, our purpose, our lives are not about us. We were not simply put on this planet to make ourselves happy. We were put here on a rescue mission to seek and to save and to love and to pray and to, and to be with people and to care for people and live these big lives where we get smaller and God and the people around us actually get bigger. That's the life that we're supposed to live. You can clap for that. So God makes us out of dirt to remind us that our lives aren't about us at all. At the end of the day, we're really not that important. But I think he also wants us to remember this, that his calling on our lives is so much bigger than us. The calling on your life is so much bigger than you. Now, let me, let's define terms here. Purpose, 
Remember what we just said, love God, love people. That's all of everybody's purpose. If you are a human being, that is your purpose. But your calling is incredibly specific, incredibly unique. It has to do with everything that makes you the way you are. It's the things you like, the things you're good at, the things you're not good at, where you are in life, all the different things that God chose to put into his design of you. That, that comprises your calling, your calling. It's a specific calling. And I want you to know that the potential in your life is insane. It's amazing. God has given you a calling that is going to absolutely change the world. And if you don't believe me, look at Moses, verse 7. Crazy what God tells Moses his calling is. He says, then the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. Sidebar, this is history right now. So Israelites are enslaved to the nation of Egypt. They've been doing this for generations. They've been building their cities, and it's, it's terrible. It's subjugation. It's normal. It's comfortable, but it's still this difficult relationship, them being subjugated underneath the Egyptians. And God continues. He says, I know about all this. I know about all this. I know their sufferings. I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 9, and now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. So come, Moses, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Did you guys just catch that? That's Moses' calling. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty intense. That's insane, actually. Moses was probably like, you're like, that's, uh, what? And his natural response was exactly that. Verse 11, Moses said to God the same thing that you or I would say. He says, who am I? Who, are you, are you sure you don't want the Moses down the street? <laughs> he's not a shepherd. He's a businessman. You know, like he can talk to people. Me? Really? Me. That's what Moses says to God. But this is so beautiful because you know what God doesn't do? He doesn't answer Moses' question. Moses asks God, who am I? God doesn't tell him because Moses wants God to tell him who he is. But God realizes that the real solution here is for him to tell Moses who he is. That's what's up right there. Because the thing that Moses was being called to do was so much bigger than he could possibly do on his own. God could not have Moses thinking that this was somehow in his bag of tricks. Oh, you're so smart. You're so cool. You dress so well. You have this beautiful flowing hair. I don't know. I'm just making this stuff up on the spot. God needed Moses to know that in his plan, Moses, just a pile of dirt. Just a pile of dirt. So when Moses asked God, who am I? Verse 12, what does God say? He says, I will be with you. You need to hear this right now. We're going to continue on in this, but there's people who are listening to this message who you have something in front of you that you have no idea how it's going to work out. You just got a medical diagnosis. You just got your car towed. You just got evicted. You have strain in your relationship. You feel like God has called you to do something that you couldn't even possibly make happen. You need to know what God said to Moses in this story. He's saying to you right now, he is with you. He is with you. He is with you. It's not in your strength. It's in his strength. He can do it through you. 
So he says, I will be with you. I love that God says that to Moses. He continues on and he basically says, proof, if you want proof, you're going to see me again here at Mount Sinai. And sure enough, we read ahead in this story and uh, Moses, Ten Commandments guy, that happens on Mount Sinai. So a little funny little nugget there. Verse 13, but then Moses says to God, okay, well, if you're not going to tell me who you are, I'm supposed to go and get these people to follow me. They're going to want to know who you are. Or sorry, if you're not going to tell me who I am, then who are you? Is basically the question that Moses asks God. Verse 14, God answers Moses' question now because he was asking the wrong question. And God says to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. And that phrase is beautiful because it uses the present to speak about the future. Because every time the phrase I am, try this, try this on your own. Try, try it when you're driving sometime. Every time you say I am, it's speaking about the present, but it's happening in the future. I am, I am. As if God was saying to Moses, I haven't left you. I haven't forgotten you. I'm here with you. And I am always going to be and always be becoming the thing that you need. I am always becoming the thing. Your life's about to get crazy, Moses, but guess what? I am is with you. I am is with you. So yes, circling back around to what we said before, you are dirt. But in the hands of I am, who never leaves you, who is always with you, that dirt is anything but ordinary. Another story of how God interacts with dirt. John 9 is my favorite passage in scripture. Start with verse one. It says, as he passed by, talking about Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam. I don't know how you pronounce that. So we went and washed and came back seeing. This is my favorite passage in scripture because it's a perfect example of the life that you and I are supposed to live. Because we all know somebody who's going through it, right? We all know somebody who it just seems like life hasn't dealt them a fair shake. They've lost everything. They feel forgotten. They feel passed over. They feel left out. They feel worthless. We all know somebody who's going through financial stress, especially right now. People who are going through relational stress, family crisis. And it can be so easy for us to see the pain in someone else's life and to kind of step back because it's like, I, I don't even know what to say to you. I, I can't relate to you. I, I don't even know what to do. So what do we do? What do I do? I send a text message and I say, let me know how I can help. And then I go on with my life. I'm just being honest here, honesty in church. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's ever done that before. Let me know how I can help. Cool. Yeah, that's going to get the job done. So this story is a picture of the life that we're supposed to live, right? And you're thinking to yourself, yeah, yeah, I'm supposed to be Jesus in this story. No, you're not Jesus in this story. What did we just get done saying? In this story, you guessed it, you're the dirt. We're the dirt in this story. This man had next to nothing. 
He had no family, no money, no friends, no dignity. He didn't have anything. He didn't have a single thing to his name. The only thing in his life that hadn't been taken away from him was the dirt under his feet. This man was at rock bottom, and the only thing that he had left were the rocks under his bottom. <laughs> I worked hard on that one. <laughs> and when the bottom fell out on his life, the dirt was the only thing there that was still holding him up. Guys, that's us. We're not Jesus in this story. We're the dirt. Because when people enter our lives who are hurting and broken and lost and at rock bottom, we are supposed to be the consistent. We are supposed to be the constant. We are supposed to be the steady hand. We are supposed to be the voice of life. We are supposed to be the encouragement. Because if not us, then who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? And sure, guys, that's hard. I just asked you to do something that's really difficult. I acknowledge that. Man, every time I talk to that person, it just seems like they're going through a hard time. This relationship is really discouraging. Newsflash, real relationships with real people are really hard sometimes. That's just the way life is. And it can feel like we're helping people through the same struggle, the same difficulty. They get themselves in the same mess, the same mistake, the same thing over and over and over. And it's just same dirt, different day. But you need to know this. One day, Jesus is going to walk into that person's life. He's going to want to do a miracle. It's so amazing. God could have just snapped his fingers. You know that? And his eyes would have been open. What does he do? He goes around and starts looking for some dirt. He's going to walk into that person's life. And what's he going to be looking for? He's going to be looking for you and me. He's going to be looking for some dirt so that he can use us to open up those people's eyes to see the goodness and greatness of our God. This is what he wants to do. So all that to say, don't give up. Don't give up. You are doing a great thing. You are doing a good thing. Jesus is coming to town. And on that day, he's going to use you to make a miracle. Do you believe that? I hope you do, because it's true. And on that day, it'll be same dirt, same relationship, same stress, same struggle, but a different day. Same dirt, different day. Now, maybe you're hearing all this and you're like, holding this all fine and well, but you're talking about calling and I already know I'm kind of, my life's over. God can't use me because you don't, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my dirt. We all have it, right? We all have those secrets. We all have those things that only we know about. Our story, our past, that thing that we left in that city that we had to get away from. And it always comes up at the weirdest times, too. For me, it's always when I'm driving. These embarrassing thoughts and these mistakes and things that I said pop into my, into my mind. And I can feel my cheeks turn red. And I feel that same shame as if it was happening right then in that moment. That same pain. That same, oh, I just messed up. Even though it feels like a lifetime ago. It's right there. That dirt. And maybe you feel like the dirt in your story, the dirt in your life is separating you from what God is calling you to. I need you to know something. That's a lie. That is one million percent a lie. John 10.10 10 tells us that the person whispering those lies into our ear, his name is the devil. He calls him a thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The devil doesn't play by the rules. He doesn't attack us in ways that we expect. You could say, the devil plays dirty. 
the devil plays dirty. You see, Moses' story, it's kind of nuts. He goes after him as a baby. The dude can't even talk, and he's trying to kill him. He has Pharaoh command this infanticide. They're throwing Israelite babies in the river, and through the miraculous hand of God, Moses is saved, right? So that doesn't work. So then what does he do? He tempts Moses. See, Moses was raised in a palace, but he understood his heritage. And every single day, he would benefit from the oppression of the Egyptians, but empathize with the pain of the Israelites. And every single day, it was just clash, 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 until one day he saw something where his worlds collided, and it was an Egyptian beating an Israelite. And what does he do? He kills him. He murders somebody. If you get anything out of my message today, it's don't kill people. Sounds good. All right, have a good one. Not a good look for Moses, right? Not a good look for Moses. So now the devil couldn't kill him, so he just took him out of the game. He's out in the wilderness, and now for 40 years, the same shame, the same regret, the same embarrassment, the same pain. And think about how hard that must have been for Moses. It breaks my heart to think. He probably had times where he was depressed, where he was like, I, why am I even alive? I had so much potential, so much promise, but I messed it up. He probably had days Maybe you've had these days where you wake up staring at the ceiling, just thinking to yourself, I guess this is my life now. Just same dirt, same past, same pain, same story, different day. For 40 years. But then one day, God rolls up. I guess a burning bush. Casual. And he says to Moses, Moses, I didn't forget about you. All that time that you spent as a shepherd, we're going to do something with that. Because what do we know about Moses' story? God takes him, and instead of making him a shepherd over sheep, he makes him a shepherd over people. And what is his job? To protect, to guide, and to lead these people into a promised land, a pasture land, a land flowing with milk and honey. What an aha moment Moses must have had standing on the shore of the Red Sea, holding in his hand the same staff that he probably looked at and despised every morning, having to get up as a shepherd. How crazy. God says to Moses, that wasn't wasted. That was training. That wasn't wasted. That was training. Do you feel like you're buried? Do you feel like the devil's got some dirt on you that you're never going to be able to shake it off? I want you to know God is not done with you. God is not done with you. God wants you to know this isn't wasted. This isn't wasted. This is training. You might still be walking through consequences of mistakes that you made and you completely own it and you're sorry for it, but you need to know this isn't wasted. This is training. You may feel like you are just searching in the dark and I don't even know what I'm going to do with this pain, this situation that I've caused. This isn't wasted. Turn to God. Turn to God. It, this is training. Romans 8, 28, a great verse to stitch onto a pillow. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. We just got done saying, there's nothing standing between you and the thing that God has called you to do. Nothing. Nothing. Let's wrap this thing up. We said it at the start, but uh, today is Palm Sunday, in case you didn't know. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Just buy a card or something. I don't know what you buy for Palm Sunday. Palm branches, I guess. And we celebrate Palm Sunday because it's the first day of Passion Week. We're celebrating Jesus riding into Jerusalem, sealing his fate of being crucified uh, on the back of a colt, right? And uh, Jesus chose this day not just arbitrarily. He actually chose this day to make this appearance because it was a significant day in the Jewish calendar. It was right around the time of Passover. Passover. And Passover was a Jewish holiday where they celebrated God's deliverance and redemption through none other than Moses, interestingly enough, where he delivered the Israelites out of Egypt centuries ago through miraculous signs and wonders. And every year, the Jews would have this holiday. They would remember their captivity, their pain, their struggle, but then they would remember God's freedom, God's deliverance, the powerful, mighty hand of God. But it's so interesting when Jesus comes on the, on the scene, the Israelites again are actually finding themselves in captivity, this time not to Egypt, that was long ago. Now it's Rome. And so they celebrate this holiday and they were looking ahead. They were hoping for a day where another Moses would come, a Messiah would come and free them from their now current bondage. Every year, this day on the calendar, every year, this reminder of what God had done and what they so desperately wanted him to do again. And every single year, instead of 40 years now, there was 400 years. No prophets, no signs, not a peep from God for 400, 400 calendars. Flip to the bottom, no Messiah, no deliverance no restoration. For the Israelites, it was the same dirt, different day. Until this guy named Jesus pops up, right? And uh, he's doing it different. He's healing people, <laughs> you know? He's talking about the kingdom of God, all this stuff. And the word gets out, people are like, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Oh my gosh, yeah, I heard about Jesus. I heard he healed somebody. Well, I, I heard he said this. I, whoa, that kind of sounds like is this the guy? Guys, this is, this might be the guy. Guys, this is definitely the guy. Guys, he's the guy. You know, they're starting to freak out a little bit because they're like, this is it. Here he comes. Just like Moses freed us from Egypt, Jesus is going to free us from Rome. But we know that's not what Jesus came to do. We can see in the rear view mirror that what they didn't realize was that Jesus wasn't the Messiah that they wanted. He was the Messiah they needed, guys. He came to free them, not from Rome, not from human oppression, but from their own sin, from the hole in their heart that they couldn't do anything to fill. The same people who were celebrating him on Sunday were crucifying him on Friday because they thought that he was the wrong guy. But looking back, we can see the beauty of the palm branches. Because what did they do? They cut these palm branches down. They put them in the dirt. They lied them in the street as a symbol of surrender. This is what they would do when an invading nation would come and take over a city. They would lay palm branches in the ground as if to say, you win, we surrender. They thought that Rome was surrendering to Jesus. Newsflash, it was so much bigger than that. It was a picture of you and me and all of humanity surrendering to Jesus. It was a picture of what he does in your heart when you say yes to him. 
He walks in. And where Jesus walks, it changes ordinary dirt into something beautiful, into a miracle. Same dirt, different day. But it keeps going. I wasn't planning on crying. It's five days later, what do they do? They kill him. They kill him. And I'll save you the details, it's pretty intense. Pretty hectic, honestly. They kill him real good. But in my mind, they make one slight miscalculation. Because they kill him like they would kill any other man. And then what do they do? They get a tomb. And they put him in the ground. Just like you would with a normal guy, right? One could say, they bury him in the dirt. We've spent a little bit of time here together, you guys. I think we all know what God can do with a little bit of dirt. The same dirt they put him under on Friday. He's coming up out of on Sunday. Same dirt, different day. And now today in this moment, if you say yes to Jesus, just like him, when they killed him, he didn't die. You don't have to suffer that fate either. You, when you breathe your last, can be standing on eternity's shore. And the meaning of this message can mean so much more to you as the dirt and the soil and the difficulty and the purposelessness and the rudderlessness of a life without God is washed away. And it's truly a different day for you. I'm gonna give you a chance to do that right now. Let's pray together. God, we love you so much. And we are humbled and honored that we get to be here in this moment. And God, there's people who are listening to this message where they just feel you speaking to them. They feel you tugging on the corner of their heart, knocking. It says in scripture that you stand at the door and knock and whoever opens the door, you will come in. Right now in this moment, Jesus, we know you wanna turn ordinary dirt and ordinary soul into something beautiful and vibrant and new. So have your way in this moment. And wherever you're watching right now, maybe you're driving, hopefully you're not watching and driving. Sitting on the couch, maybe a friend had you over for breakfast in church. If you feel that tug, if you feel God speaking to you right now, Say yes to him. Say yes to Jesus. Let him come into your life and change you forever. You will not regret it. It'll be the best decision you could ever make. Now I wanna lead you in a prayer. And I believe there's not really anything special about these words that I'm saying, that you're saying. It's more just an outward statement about what I believe is happening on the inside. Say these words after me, say Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. I need your grace. Come into my life. Make me new. From this day forward, I'm all yours. Amen. Come on, we are celebrating with every single one of you who's making that decision today.